the Chair 2 Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Danny Smith and Ben South. If you lead from the second chair or you work with those who do, this is a place for you. We're glad you're here for conversations about the church, ministry, life, and how we can serve better for God's kingdom. Welcome back to another episode of Chair 2 Leaders. I'm here with my good friend, Danny Smith. Danny, how are you doing this week? Hey, Ben, I'm doing good. It's good to uh, always be back on to uh, talk ministry and church and life, and uh, glad that we can do that. Yeah, it's going to be a good conversation today. I'm excited about it. Today's spring is here. We're it kind of it feels like spring. We've had some warm weather today. Actually, when we're recording, it's a lot colder, so it's kind of like it's trying to turn back into winter again. But yeah, I think it was is, that fake spring and then false winter and all that something stuff like that. that uh, we're, third winter yeah, or something that's like right that. wait know. five minutes and it'll so, change and that's right we're hopefully be changing soon well listen we've got a great guest with us today he's a very fascinating person matter of fact that's how i came across him because on the internet i saw his pastor tweet about it that he was one of the most fascinating people in the southern baptist life in the year 2020 and in 2020 is a big year so if you got a fascinating person for 2020 i was like i want to talk to this person i've never met him before this reached out we had some conversation enjoyed already but I'm glad to have Curtis James with us he's at Tate Springs Baptist Church down in the Dallas Metroplex area Curtis welcome to the podcast today thanks a lot it's good to be here guys so tell us just a little bit about yourself and what you do there at Tate Springs well I'm the family pastor at Tate Springs uh, and so I'll, I'll clarify that is not just a glorified youth minister position I actually minister to families from all the way from uh, the babies all the way until they graduate high school and their parents uh, and I've got a, a little staff that we work together to do those things and, and I'll also make a statement to the fascinating thing I had a friend who saw that article and he said yeah for the next month every time Curtis says something we just need to scratch our chin and say fascinating you know fascinating. so uh, I, I, when they sent me the link to that i was like what is this why are they sending me this link and then somebody sent me that and said is this you and i, I saw my name and i thought i said i don't know i guess i'll have to listen to the <laughs> podcast and find out but uh, that's when i found out that evidently i'm fascinating so, so what did you do that made them uh so uh, that you just stunned them for 2020. <laughs> well, uh, you know, in ministry, I've been in ministry a long time, uh, and I've done a lot of things that I think are really, really amazing that God has done some cool stuff with. Uh, and and then there was 2020, uh, and what happened was um, we, as with every other church in the country, was looking at Easter and realizing um, it was going to be really different in 2020, and. We have a big Easter egg hunt we do every single year here, and we have a great turnout. The community loves it, and we knew we weren't going to be able to do it. And so we started kicking around, what can we do as an alternate? And I just came up with this idea, what about Minecraft? Uh, it's an open world. People can log into it. We could have a server. Kids could come on and play together and pick up Easter eggs instead. And so um, it kind of went crazy on us word got out we were planning on something just local here um, but we ended up on Fox News on CNN on CBS and NBC and ABC uh, on Christianity Today the, the Baptist Press was really the first story to pick it up and a, a bunch of other places uh, we were even mentioned on the Colbert show 
uh, one night, uh, he, he, he made fun of us, which was, it was actually, it was the only really funny joke in that episode. So I was like, way to go, man. It was, it was funny, you know? And, uh, and so, um, he said, he said, well, they decided to do a Minecraft one instead of, uh, a bunny Royale. And I thought that was just really funny and it made me want to make a bunny Royale. But anyway, um, so, uh, so that's kind of, it just took off. It kind of went crazy on us. And so, um, ended up with, uh, over a thousand people registered for the event and got to share the gospel with them through video uh, and saw uh, quite a few people respond to the gospel uh, through that. So it was really cool. It was different. Uh, doesn't seem like the most profound thing I ever did in ministry, you know, playing a video game, but evidently it was fascinating. So that's how I got on the list. You know, in seminary, you're like, what do you inspire to do in ministry? I want to change the world through video games and ministry. <laughs> exactly. Well, my pastor and I, we both like to play games. And uh, I told him when I was preparing for it, I was like, you know, I feel like I'm cheating. Like, you know, it's my job to play this video game. Like, I'm supposed to do this. Uh, so and we did other things with it as well. But that was that was evidently what made me fascinating. So. Well, it's funny, too. Uh, I'm looking at the list. I just pulled the list of fascinating Southern Baptist of 2020. And so, you know, not only were you shouted out by Colbert and, you know, all these great things happened, but you share a list with Brenda Gant, who is, uh, you know, my wife accuses me of following her too much on Facebook, but I love food. Right. And uh, so that's quite the list to be on there. That, uh, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, the rest of the people on the list, I think, did pretty profound things. One of them, I think, had to die and come back to life or something. And me, all I had to do was play a video game. So, Hey, video games and making biscuits will take you a long way in the world today. <laughs> it will go a long, long way. That <laughs> I believe. Well, well, actually, when your pastor shared the quote, I think one of the things he said was that pivoting in ministry. And I want us to talk a little bit about that because in COVID – we really had to quickly, I mean, I think it was a year ago this week, actually, that we really had to take all of our ministries and pivot them and, and quickly. And like you said, Easter playing had already been full swing for most places, and we're making switches right here at the last minute. When we come to those moments in ministry, though, when we've got to be able to pivot, how do we need to approach, uh, let's just talk about this for a second, how do we need to approach our ministry, all of our ministry planning, where at a moment's notice, if we need to, we can pivot because it may be the next pandemic. It may be a local disaster. It may be a tragedy within the church that's going to cause you to have to pivot what you're doing immediately. Let's, let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I guess I'd say I have a two-part answer for that because um, the first thing, and this is something uh, over the years I've, I've taught a lot of uh, leadership classes and, and taught a lot of guys going into ministry. Um and uh, one of the things that I always teach them is great planning sets you up for great improvisation when you need it. Um, and, and I think that um, if you took a worship guy last year who was preparing all of his Easter stuff and then the rug gets pulled out from under him, you know, four weeks before Easter Sunday, the guys who were planning ahead and ready had something to work with. They had something to manipulate and reutilize in a new way. Um, but the guys who weren't ready, man, they were behind the eight ball really bad because they were not only having to create an Easter service, but they were having to, to do it in this odd vacuum that we were living in. And so I actually think my first part of the answer would be planning is essential for flexibility. And when we're ready for something, we've planned it out, then we actually know what we need to do 
when the rug gets pulled out from under us and we have to adapt whereas poor planning means we're starting everything from a you know underground practically when it started with covid and then the 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 second part to that is just um if we don't minister flexibly then we won't be able to adjust when things go sideways and um i think that um every good plan leaves uh leaves flexibility space to be able to move things around um but also just not being so stuck in the way that we do things that we do it the same way all the time but instead being uh able in life in ministry every day to adapt and then obviously that was taken to the extreme during covid so it's it's planning yet not being stuck in your plan which i think is actually important all the time yeah and i like that i I think we in ministry all the time talk about flexibility but i think you hit that key point that if you're not planning well on the front end uh, that flexibility can't happen Uh, and then i think by extension and we can keep visiting that point of the creativity uh, is not able to be there uh, if you don't have something to work with you know I, i did an easter sermon from my garage last year for our little church you know and um, and the great thing was I had uh, a little bit of technical difficulty then and so had pre-recorded some stuff and then here we were it was not uploading like it should have been like everybody was having issues with and you know I just go out to my garage and turn on Facebook live and uh, might would argue that we had even a better uh, uh, engagement and experience at that point than maybe some stuff that we had prepackaged, but that all worked together. So creativity and flexibility, I love that comes out of the planning and things of that nature. And uh, when you guys were having to pivot with that last year for the Minecraft and all that stuff, um, what did that look like staff-wise? What did that look like in that dynamic for your team? Uh, what were just some of the, the things that were happening at that point uh, that maybe you could just say, not only because we planned well, but because you know, we acted good good relationships together what was it that what it looked like for your staff yeah we were actually recording uh our our service for that sunday because we we got to where like most people we recorded our service before um and then uploaded it and, and showed it live you know on sunday morning to eliminate some of the technical problems you have with being straight up live so we were recording it. it was a thursday afternoon and i told my pastor jared i said hey man i've got this idea and I told him, and it was so funny because he goes, genius. He just threw his hands in the air and said, genius, you know. And he was like, this is awesome. And, and we started this conversation. And our staff is, you know, got good relationships. It's a bunch of good guys. And uh, and so Jared, you know, he has a background in gaming. But our worship guy really doesn't. You know, our, our associate pastor really hadn't, you know. But what we saw was uh, when I started, because I started a Minecraft world up for us to just basically have a playground for the kids and we would have a Bible study in it each week. And, um, and that was a different aspect of, of how we were using it, but it kind of helped us set up. Well, they all start logging into the Minecraft server and building like, you know, there's a huge castle that our pastor built, you know, this massive castle that now has Smaug the dragon over the top of it that one of our other guys built, uh, above it. And so, um, you know, what we saw was they all got into it. They all dove in. They all wanted to be a part and they wanted to support it in whatever way they could. Um, And I think that's key. Um, And it it became such, um, 
it, it became a joke in, in the mornings as, as we got within the last couple of weeks before it. And I would wake up in the morning and my wife would say, you know, what have you got today? I said, well, right now I've only got three interviews, but, you know, I figure uh, President Trump will be calling me soon to see if he can, you know, log in. You know what I mean? And <laughs> um, and sure enough, you know, then, then we'd get the call from CNN or we'd get the call from, you know, some podcaster or whatever. Um, and I'd get, you know, billions of emails a day. How do we join? And all this kind of stuff. And so as, as that was going on, I think all the guys in the staff kind of, kind of accepted that, you know, I was just out of touch completely with everything else, you know, and they were like, it's okay, we got this, you know? And so it's that team support that makes a big difference. Yeah. They changed your title to associate pastor of Minecraft. Is that? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. That was, that was my title for about two weeks, I think. So are y'all still using it? Yeah. Right now um, we actually haven't been having it of late, but uh, up to the end of the year, we were still hosting a weekly Minecraft Bible study with our kids, um, and we have a group of kids who would come come in on a Monday afternoon, and we built we built arcs. We did a multi week series on on the arc. We built arcs and had a best arc competition and gave out awards. We we built the Tower of Babel. Uh, we built water parks. We built boats when we were studying Jonah. We built a a whale underneath the water that we went and got inside of for part of the study. Um, just a little bit of everything that we do just to try to be creative because what we found was we were connecting with some kids that we'd always struggled to connect with because they're just not talkers, you know, they just want to go play Minecraft. And so, um, they would jump in and play and we really connected with them on a, a much deeper level than we'd ever been able to before, which was an important lesson to learn too, because I, I don't believe that it's just a one time thing. I don't believe that the pivoting that we did for COVID now we pivot back. I don't think it's an or. I think it's an and situation. And so uh, if we walk away from this and we say our goal is just to make things the way they were, then we're going to have failed to learn what, what I think God wanted us to learn through the situation. And that is there are different ways of doing things, different ways to connect with people. We should be using all of them instead of just the ones we're most comfortable with or or we approve of. Because... And this is a side note, a rabbit trail we don't necessarily have to chase here, but video games in the church world are considered bad. Uh, kids aren't supposed to play video games. That's being lazy. We're supposed to be outside and running and, and playing soccer or whatever. We're supposed to be playing instruments. I'm all for all those things. I love to do those things. But, um, you know, there was this connotation that video games are just bad and kids shouldn't be rotting their brains on video games. Well, that's just not true. It's just a different activity. And, uh, and so I think that that's, you know, something that the church world needs to take away from this is there is an entire community of gamers out there that the church has said, we're really not interested in ministering to you um, because video games are bad. Well, wow. It would seem like we should minister there, you know, if it's, uh, it's where kids are going and where they're connecting. We should connect with them there. You know, it's interesting because, um, of course, you're down in Texas and uh, here, just I mean, anywhere, sports is huge. The church has had no issue saying, hey, let's use soccer camps and baseball camps and football camps. I think you're right. I think this pivot has uh, caused us to look at an area and go, you know, I didn't consider that before. I remember one time years ago, a, a pastor I knew, he said, hey, we're building a skate park. And. 
And I remember thinking, yeah, I never thought about that. And so uh, I think a lot of pastors maybe have wondered how some of the passions and things that they love that maybe they thought, well, this has nothing to do with my ministry, that the pivot in COVID and has brought to go, you know, I am a gamer. Here's something I can do. And uh, I think it's I think it's a good time to uh, relook at that and go, wait a minute, what are those areas uh, that we've not necessarily brought in because of, like you said, maybe uh, just for the way we view it. But do you think there's, um, thinking about the pivots out of COVID, what does God want us to learn? Uh, maybe one of the harder things we're trying to learn is what maybe was a temporary thing just to kind of get through. But then what legitimately is, hey, this just opened up a whole new world that maybe we had never considered before. Yeah, I actually um, believe, and our whole staff is actually on board with this concept. We believe that we can take what we've learned from COVID and instead of trying to use it as a replacement piece, which is what we did during COVID, we had services that were to replace in person. We had Bible studies that were to replace in person. Instead, we want to use those connection points to drive people to what we're doing in person, Uh, not by stopping offering them and saying, hey, if you want it, you got to show up, but instead saying, hey, here's a taste, here's what we're doing. It's not going to be quite as good as what we do live because you don't feel it. You don't, you know, interact with people, but we can still supply you with the content and those things to help you connect. And so, for instance, um, on on Wednesday nights, I teach a parent roundtable. I've taught it for a while. This group of parents get together. We go through different truths uh, that can help them as parents. And it's very conversational. When we went to uh, into quarantine, we shifted to Facebook Live. Actually, we've shifted to Zoom, and I streamed it on Facebook Live. And we'd have people come in, but, you know, nobody wanted to talk. The interactions were real minimal. I was probably having more comments on the Facebook Live comments than I was actually getting inside Zoom. And so what we learned was, you know, well, not everybody's just dying to have their face plastered up on a screen and for everybody to go watch them in their living room, you know, was it clean, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so um, and so people start blacking out their cameras and stuff. So we moved away from Zoom and I just moved it just live and then I would get comments and things like that. So as we've gone through the process, though, we are now uh, back on campus with our Wednesday night parent roundtable. And uh, we've got a a good group coming in. It's going great. Um, And we've been doing it this way for a couple months now. Um, Started back in January. And but still, I actually pre-record my entire parent roundtable lesson in our studio. And it publishes at seven. We do roundtable at six. And it publishes at 7 o'clock. And that means people who can't get there by 6 because they're at work, or we still have people who are at home, they don't feel like it's safe to get out. They go online at 7. We're there in the comments ready to talk with them about what's being taught. But then that resource is there in our media section, in our Facebook group, and stays there for weeks and weeks and weeks. So I've got a family that couldn't come last week. They missed it. They they messaged me in in Facebook and said, "Hey, we got home and watched tonight, so we're all caught up, you know, and they'll be back the next time we meet." And so, you know, realizing there's a there's an and process here. They know it's not the same as being there and having the interaction, but um let's let's continue to connect with people in these ways because they've learned how to connect with us in this way. Let's not just be like, "Oh, well we don't need that anymore." Well, we probably needed it before too. We just weren't doing it. 
Yeah. I think one of the things we kind of hit on this a minute ago when we pivot, you know, when COVID hit, we were quick to pivot because we knew the things that were essential. It was quick. We have to do these things. As we pivot back, I think there's going to be a tendency just to go back to doing things the way we were doing them because that's the way we were doing them. And we thought they were working. One of the things we've got to remember is to keep our eye on the goal or the mission versus the task itself. The task is not the goal. Uh, There's a goal of reaching families, making a difference in their lives, sharing the gospel. That's the goal. That's the mission. Um, The tasks are the things that enable us to do that. So as we pivot back, you know, when we pivoted in COVID, it was quick to say, oh, we've got to do this because we've got to get the gospel out. We've got to still got to minister our families and reach them. So we have to do these things. When we come back, are we going to be as intent on keeping that mission central or going back just to the tasks as we pivot back? Yeah, years ago, I, I grew up here in the Dallas area. Years ago, the Dallas Cowboys got a new coach. He was going to bring them to the Super Bowl. It was it was all they needed. It it was all happening. It was great, and uh, it was Bill Parcells, you know. And uh, they brought him in the big tuna. And I was driving down the road, summertime. Turned my radio on, and there he was talking. And I thought, what what are they talking to him about? It's summertime, and it was uh, training camp. And he's talking about players and stuff nobody cares about that aren't going to make the team even. But he, he said something. I actually pulled over, stopped, and wrote it down um, because they were asking about how a specific player was doing. And, and he said this. He said, you know, you, you can go out and you can be a running back and you can spend more time in the weight room than any other running back. And when you come out of the weight room, you can't say, I'm the best running back on this team because I spend more time in the weight room. He said, if you're a coach and you spend more time in the film room than with any other coach, you can't walk out and say, I'm the best coach on this team because I spend more time in the film room than any other coach. And he made this statement. He said, don't confuse what you're doing with what you're trying to accomplish. And I think that is a statement that um, in the church we desperately need to hear. Uh, and times like this help us reevaluate are we doing what we're doing because it's what we do? Or are we doing what we're doing because this is what we're trying to accomplish? And I think that is a really important thing for us to take away from this. Yeah, because a lot of times you didn't even think to ask that question. Sometimes we just don't even know that's a question we should ask because that particular ministry, that church has existed for so many years. And Money seems to be good in the bank. People are showing up. So why would I reevaluate? Um, and it's easy to confuse that. Uh, and Ben, I think you nailed it. And then Curtis just nailed it again with confusing task for mission, uh, activity for mission. And those things don't always line up. And uh, yeah, learning to pivot maybe is a new spiritual discipline that we need to bring into the church to say, I'm doing something, but do I need to pivot to something that's better? Maybe that's the discernment issue too of, uh, you know, what is the difference between doing something that's good? Because I would, I would argue that most churches are probably doing some good things. But what is the better thing? What is the more um, laser-focused gospel thing in this? Yeah, and when you're doing that planning, I come back to the planning idea earlier. When we're doing that planning, instead of just saying planning the event, what is the what are we planning for? That tells us if we're pivoting, yeah, I can let this, you know, this meeting or this person speaking or this time go because that's not the reason. If something else helps us be able to do it better in that time period, that the keeping that focus on the goal and the mission 
helps us be able to pick and choose a lot better and pivot quickly or pivot back at this time like we are now. Things starting yeah. to open back up. Yeah, my staff knows that, you know, when they come with something, I'm always going to look at them and say, hey, what's our purpose here? You know, what's our purpose? What are we trying to accomplish? Because I'm a strong believer that that everything we do, whether it's a worship service, a Bible study, an event, it needs to have a primary purpose. And, and then it's okay if there are tertiary purposes, but you need your primary purpose that says everything we're doing here how does it contribute? I've, I've taught um, a lot of leadership classes for students that are going into the ministry. And uh, we use the example of like a fifth quarter event after a football game, you know, when we used to actually be able to attend things. And, you know, the concept was, you know, is it about discipleship? Is it about evangelism? Oh, well, we're going to have a band and we're going to have evangelistic speaker and we're going to have pizza and we're going to have games. And, and basically what they're going to do is they're going to have all these things. So it's about worship. It's about evangelism. It's about discipleship. It's about, you know, if fellowship. No, it can't be about all those things because because they're not all going to be great. So let's take one thing, and then if, if there's other things that can go on, because if there's byproducts, then great. But let's stay focused on that, and let's do that really, really well. And yeah. I think that's what's, really important. Yeah, what's that one non-negotiable thing with what we're doing? That this Anything else can go away, but this one thing has to remain if we're going to keep doing this. That's the key. So pivoting to Easter this year, what are y'all's plans? Are y'all going back to your hunt, or are you still just doing Minecraft? Well, we're we're uh, we're in the and stage. Uh, we're doing both. Uh, we have uh, we're we're planning an in person Easter egg hunt, uh, just like we normally do. Um, we're making some modifications just uh, just because we have some new ideas for it. But um, but we're inviting anybody from the community to come and be involved in it. We figure kids don't share eggs; they try to keep them, and so we don't have to worry about a bunch of you know, handing eggs back and forth. I don't normally see kids like, oh, I got this one. Do you want it? You know, they want to keep their egg. And so, um, so <laughs> we're going to have that. Not a yeah, yeah, no, no cross contamination issues. But then um, we also are hosting uh, a Minecraft Easter egg hunt again, which, uh, um, which is going to be available to anybody who wants to be a part of it. I've been working with the National Esports Association that we worked with last year. Uh, to put on the event so that we can manage, you know, a good number of registrants. We're actually just now starting to promote that and get the word out as Easter is approaching. So we are in the and part of that. Uh, we don't believe in the or. And so we had uh, at Christmas time, you know, people were still a little more locked down than they are now. And we had, uh, so we had a, a snowball fight in uh, at Christmas. We had a Christmas party snowball fight in Minecraft where we built a Christmas, like a maze that they, an ice maze, an ice palace. And then we made this big field that looked like a paintball field, basically with barriers and towers and stuff and a button you could push that would fill your inventory with snowballs and you could just douse each other with snowballs. And then I did something that Minecraft told me couldn't be done. And that was, I actually made it to where a snowball could kill you because where's the fun if you can't take somebody out with a snowball <laughs> so it was but the way it worked because it, i kind of broke the game the way it worked was uh, it was just random so you get hit by 50 snowballs and the 51st one will kill you and uh it's so uh, it was great fun because then the 52nd one might kill you too you know and the kids were like oh man i just died you know but it was a blast. I'm, Everybody's just killing each other with snowballs. I'm imagining that scene from Elf where he just la yes. launches that one across and takes out the kid across Yeah, the I park. had that same thought, Ben. I was thinking <laughs> the same thing. So that's great. 
Any plans for like Call of Duty um, Easter egg hunts or anything like that? I don't know if that's the same yeah, thing or not. So far, so, so far we we're staying away from the rated M. Okay, okay, that uh, makes sense. You, you don't know? want to pivot too far. So, yeah, there's we, only we so have far some that... ideas of some other opportunities outside of Minecraft, but uh, but for now that's kind of our sweet spot with our kids. I like it. Well, if you could bring uh, college football back sooner, um, we'll put you on that fascinating list again next year. <laughs> So yeah, I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at March Madness. I'm thinking, you know, at the end is the is the champion going to be crowned, and its name is COVID. You know, what yes, I mean? that's right, <laughs> that's right. Well, and so an important question before we go, you know, we're getting close to Easter. What do y'all think is the best Easter candy? Well, Reese's I mean, is the best candy, period. But those Reese's eggs are phenomenal. I got. I, I'm with you. I I'm, I tell you what, I'm 100 percent agreement. Uh, just to be a little different. I'm a big fan of the little Easter egg gumballs, and uh, you know those are. I don't know. I just I like gum a lot. But uh, yeah, you, you took mine the Easter egg uh, Reese's Easter, but I'll definitely go the uh, gumballs as well. I do. I like the smaller Reese's eggs. I think the Reese's are the best too in the smaller cups. I think the peanut butter to chocolate ratio is better in those than in the normal size cups. I don't know. Are we in agreement well, that Cadbury is just weird and odd and should never be mentioned <laughs> again? It's a little creepy, uh, you know, the way that the creaminess is this creamy, <laughs> sugary. Yeah. I don't know. But, it, man, when you get an egg like that filled with Reese's peanut butter, now, now you're different. talking about yeah, something. I'm with you. Yeah, you bite into the Cadbury eggs like, I'm not sure if I should enjoy this or not. You know, it's like, <laughs> what it is this? feel right. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, it's like diabetes wrapped in chocolate. You know what I mean? So... <laughs> that's it. That's it. Well, Curtis, thanks for joining us. How can people connect with you if they want to? Hey, they can always get me just, they can email me at curtis at tatesprings.com and I'm happy to get back with them. They can catch me on Facebook, uh, Curtis James, uh, and, uh, you know, we can connect there. And, uh, yeah, we're always happy to talk about ministry opportunities and and, uh, what's going on because I think God's got a mighty work to do uh, if we work together, for sure. Now, if they want to connect with you with Minecraft... How do they do that? Now, I know very little about Minecraft, so explain so how all, we can All they do have that. to do, and, and I hope you guys will invite your churches to be a part of it. Uh, all you have to do is just go to minecrafteaster.com, and there'll be a registration button right there, and you can go and register to, to do it, and you'll get an email with instructions on how to connect. The, the National Esports Association has been a really good partner for us in this. And so they really they're doing a lot of the work, most of the work this year. They're they're building it and they're and, and so they you know, you'll actually end up at their site for registration and some things like that. But uh, but you definitely want to click through minecrafteaster.com to get there. Great. We'll put a link to that in the show notes when we get there. Thanks for joining us today. Danny, before we go, why don't you tell them about our sponsor for this episode? You bet. And thanks so much again, Curtis, for uh, sharing. Uh, if you are looking for a college degree but don't think you have the time, maybe you need to pivot in your own life, you should pivot to Central Baptist College. The Pace College degree program at CBC in Conway, Arkansas, has a proven in-class online or hybrid course format, multiple degrees to fit your busy schedule. CBC understands you can't quit your full-time job, which is why they've developed a flexible format that's helped adults for 20 years earn their degree while working full-time. To get started, go to cbc.edu online. You can apply for admission, request a virtual meeting, and a personal enrollment counselor will help you enroll in classes. So visit cbc.edu online today so you can earn that degree, reach your goals, maybe one day 
get on the most fascinating list of Southern Baptists. How about that? That's right. That's the <laughs> list. That's the goal is to get on that list. Thanks, Curtis. Make sure if you're listening, you like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Chair 2 Leaders. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates, and make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to Chair 2 Leaders wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.